From MinTech, the Micro Nanotechnology Education Center, this is Talking Technicians, the podcast about technicians, who they are, what they do, and where they come from. I'm your host, Peter Kazarnov. I teach technicians and engineers at Portland Community College. In each episode, you'll meet a working technician and hear their story. That means real interviews with real technicians about real jobs. At the end of each episode, you'll hear actions you can take if you want to be a technician too. In this episode, you'll meet Mike. Mike works at HB Fuller in the Minneapolis-St. Paul region of Minnesota. Mike, welcome to Talking Technicians. Thanks, Peter. It's happy to be here. So tell me about yourself. Uh, where do you live? How long have you been there? Uh, I live in Minnesota. Uh, I actually bought a house in 2016. And I've lived here most of my life when I wasn't in the military or traveling around uh, just outside the military. So probably about <laughs> 25, 27 years out of my 40. <laughs> and where'd you grow up and where'd you move around uh, when you were in the military? Uh, I grew up in Eastside St. Paul. Uh, went to the military. I was stationed down in Fort Benning, Georgia. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much my home base. Um, not too much I can talk about that from the unit I was in. Uh, mm-hmm. I served mm-hmm. with special operations, uh, Army Rangers. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, I bounced around southeast, southwest United States, uh, up in Minnesota, kind of came back to base. And that was mm-hmm. about it. And what brought you back to Minnesota? Uh, I had a daughter. <laughs> And then the relationship didn't last, so I became mm-hmm. a single parent. Mm-hmm. How old's your daughter now? 19. 19? Oh. And has it been difficult to balance like uh, work and family at the same time? Uh, yeah, because I was going through the school in the middle of a custody battle. The custody battle up here lasted 16 years. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. uh, in college now in Iowa. So, <laughs> Congratulations. So tell me about where you work. Uh, what's your job title and what do you do day to day now? Well, I work at HB4, and what we are is an adhesives company that services the marketing and manufacturing for production. Uh, so if you think about, let's say you own a small store like a Cub Foods or a grocery store. We deal with the adhesives that put on labels, put in the shipping, so everything comes in and it's not broken in transport, and it passes all the approvals. There's a lot of different adhesives to go into play there. And I focus mostly on the uh, manufacturing end of it. Uh, but we have a lot of different markets. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things you can do with adhesives between roads and machinery and seals and food packaging, all kinds of things. So what I... Spe- oh, go ahead. Yeah, so some people might not think of adhesives as like a high-tech product. Uh, how are adhesives high-tech? Well, let's say I want something that's going to hold a, a label on a pop bottle, for instance. Uh, this is one of the markets I work with a lot. And you say, okay, I want it to stick to the bottle, but it's a chemical. So it's got to be food safe because we don't want to have people get sick. And it's got to look clean and clear because if I put that on a shelf and it looks brown and crusted or, you know, when we think of adhesives like an Elmer's white glue, it's just a solid blob there. Who's going to buy that? 
nobody wants to. And then it's got to work, right? I mean, we could, we're not just saying uh, shipping to one area. What if I'm shipping something from California and it's got to go to New York? Uh, if they put it on a plane, now I got to deal with humidity and pressure. And if they put it on a, a truck, now I got to go through a desert, got to go through mountains. Those are a lot of different environmental changes. So there's a lot of factors that play into getting a product and using adhesive there. And a lot of times used that, yeah, it tends out being a better option for the supplier or the customer because they can't just put staples on everything, punch holes in containers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how much do starting techs at HB4 make? Maybe just like a range if someone was starting at HB4? Well, it's going to come down to what your uh, experience level is and what your education level is. I joined HB4. I was still going for a four-year degree. I had seven years as a contractor for a different company, and I had a two-year degree. And when I left my previous employer, I was making around uh, between 15 and 20, and I started at that same level when I joined HB4. So I had done seven years of doing contract work and putting myself through school at one job, and that's where I started at HB Fuller. And since then, uh, I'm now salary, and I'm at the upper end of the sixty to 80000 a year range. That's great. So how did you become a technician originally? You said after your stint in the Army, you came back to Minnesota. How did that leave uh, you to become a consultant and then work at HB Fuller? Well, this is going to be a, a bit of a long story. So I got out of the military, I had a daughter, and I immediately got myself into some trouble. And it's the kind of trouble that follows you around for seven years. So getting gainful employment was extremely difficult. Uh, there was a time where making $10 an hour was considered a great job pay for me. Um, Bounced around work security. I worked a lot in manufacturing, overnight plants, you know, try to work that third shift, get an extra 25 cent differential. Hopefully they hire me on in 90 days. They do a background check. That trouble comes up again. Sorry, we can't hire you, but we could hold you Mm -hmm. on for another 30 days. So I bounced around a lot. And it took quite a bit to get that record cleared uh, because having an expunge costs a lot of money and it requires a seven year wait time. So I was working overnight security. A friend of mine who was in a, a similar simu- uh, situation was working in uh, construction and having meet the guys there wanted me to join construction. Well, this is right before the housing market started collapsing. So I looked at that and said, okay, I need to go to school. That's the only way. There's no other mm-hmm. way. I, these jobs aren't paying anything. And I mean, 11.50 an hour is the highest I've been paid in six years. So I started going to community college. Nothing wrong with that. Start small, start with what you can afford. The custody battle starts up. So now I'm splitting up my GI Bill between trying to pay for community college and trying to pay for lawyers. Felt like I was spinning my wheels a bit at community college, not really getting anywhere. Uh, had gotten a flyer for DCTC. That's a Dakota County Technical College. And it's this now technology program. And it says on there, oh, you got to be able to do problem solving. Well, I can do that. And you got to be able to work with machines. Well, machines don't bother me at all. I can do that. you got to be able to analyze. Well, I look at problems all the time. I can do that. Let's go for it. Part of the uh, tier degree required a three-month internship at a major corporation, uh, R&D. Okay, so I get three months of experience. Well, that three months turned into seven years. That's how I got in. When I had gone through the internship, I was going through a third party, essentially a, a skills house, and there's a lot of different terms for it, but essentially it's like a hiring hall or a, a job finder is a good way to put it. 
but uh, the third party had gotten in dispute with the people that were actually contracting me because the company wanted to hire me on, but they required a four-year degree. The contracting service wanted me to charge more because they charge more and they wanted more money because I had been there so long. So I got in the middle of this tug-of-war and eventually it was decided that uh, I should be given the option of staying on at the pay rate I was making. It was just over 15 at that point and dropping out of school or I don't have a job. Well, I got two and a half years into my four-year degree. I've got my two-year. I'm not giving up on school, so I left. And I went back that summer to manufacturing for $8 an hour for three months, three and a half months. Mm-hmm. So tell me about some of the opportunities for, for advancement. So after DCTC, you worked as a tech, and then it sounds like you were able to turn that uh, later into working on a four-year degree and changing jobs. Well, originally when I got done with my two-year degree, I continued on as a contractor tech for about a year and a half afterwards. And I was offered the company would say they would hire me on 50000 starting if I had gotten a four-year degree. So when I went back to school to start this, thinking I was going to get a job at this corporation I've been in for a while, I got, I'm got. i assuming that my two-year degree is going to count towards everything and I only have two years. Well, it didn't work out that way. Uh, the college I was going to is University of Minnesota. They wanted me to start from scratch. Okay. I'll take the hip, but I need to get this done. I'm still fighting a custody battle, still dealing with all these other things. I ended up leaving the U of M, went to Metropolitan State, and they said, yeah, here's your schedule. This is what we can work with. Well, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but I just mm-hmm. left my first company here. I've gone back to manufacturing, and after three and a half months of making $8 an hour, I'm asking myself, what am I doing? I should be going and getting my schooling done and staying in the field that I'm in. So when I went to a different separate contract service, and that was uh, Aerotech, uh, they put me in to actually go to H.B. Fuller, and the job was, funny enough, unloading trucks. They were going to have me work in their pilot facility as uh, essentially general labor. So I went into their interview thinking, okay, i got to go through basic math, how to work in a plant, that kind of thing, some stuff I've done before. I'm on my way home. I get a phone call. Hey, are you uh, done? I figured this meant I didn't get the job. And they're like, uh, we want you to turn around and go to another uh, interview there. Well, I went to the interview there. And because I had gone through and recorrected anything that I thought was wrong, they decided to pass me along to the uh, tech service team that was there who were needing technicians. I interviewed with three different people that afternoon, and I started two weeks later. And uh, right now... I'm still starting at 16 hours. The deal I made is I go to school full-time, but I guarantee 40 hours a week if you give me 24-hour access to the building. They're willing to do it. Two weeks later, they decided they were going to break my contract and hire me on full-time. So now Aerotech wants to know how that happened because I broke all their company records fast as hire, nine days. So I ended up working with all these different groups. And what it really comes down with is I was ready to go to school and I was almost done with a four-year degree. I was, uh, I won't say fanatical, but pretty uh, resolute in making sure that I'm doing any kind of task, making sure and double-checking everything's right. And they needed somebody who had machine experience. Mm -hmm. It actually worked in the field, and it turns out the company I was working for specializes in servicing all those companies and dead-end jobs, quote-unquote, I used to work for. Mm -hmm. And and what was something unexpected about working as a technician once you got out of DCTC? (sighs) 
Well, the biggest thing is the, the background experience, I would say. Uh, DCTC taught me how to work in a lab, right? Mm-hmm. But understanding the correlation to what I'm seeing on a benchtop for a problem or how I'm seeing results when I'm working in the lab and how does that correlate to an actual production facility? That comes from me having worked in those production facilities. And Aerotech and a lot of hiring halls are like this. They see the term R&D. Well, if you have blue collar experience, they think that doesn't matter. Well, the company that's doing R&D specializes in servicing blue collar customers and helping them with production. So they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot doing that. And I had a long talk with Aerotech about this afterwards because they asked me how I got hired on so fast. So I would say do not discount where you're coming from or what fields you're changing out of because those are skills Mm -hmm. and experiences and correlations that can really take off for you later. And... um how could uh, people get in in touch, or what are some links uh, you'd like to share? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, uh-huh. Mike Agerbeck, last name A G E R B E C K. Uh, that would probably be one of the best ways to get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still talk to Billy, and I'm still <laughs> have a, a bit of a presence at Dakota County because that's what <laughs> allowed me to take this career path, and it's taken off. So I feel like I'm obligated to try and support anyone who's following in my mm-hmm. footsteps. I mean, I know I don't want to make it sound cliche, but I was the guy who was putting the pepperonis on the pizzas at one o'clock in the morning, staring at the ceiling, asking if there's anything else for life. Now Mm -hmm. I'm paying for my daughter to go to college. There's a huge disconnect there that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't started down the path. And it wasn't the community college that got me there. It was DCT showing me that there is a different way to go. So what advice would you give uh, current students or people that want to transition careers just like you did? Well, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, There's a saying we have in the Rangers, and normally it applies to our training and more of a military bent, but I've found that it applies to just about everything that I do, whether it's active job, going to an interview, looking at different uh, roadmaps, how I want to try and get to a goal. And that is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. That means you don't go rushing in, and then if anything goes wrong, you have to backpedal. And give yourself a little more time to get acclimated to what you're seeing, what you're doing. That doesn't mean that you take forever. I mean, sometimes you can't get around having to take time. My two-year and my four-year degree took me almost nine years between the custody battles and not making much of a living. Mm. Right? Still got it done. And if I had tried rushing one route here or one route there, could have ended up that I'd never gone back to school. Right? So mm-hmm. slow, smooth, smooth as fast. That's the first one. And the second thing, don't discount what you know. There's a lot of times that uh, we say that we're changing tracks or we're, we're moving from one group to another, one career path to another. Uh, that doesn't mean that that experience you have doesn't matter for anything. You might not find that your current role doesn't put much faith into it. I mean, I have a security clearance with the government. I haven't used it since I left the military. That doesn't mean that I, I should just discount it, not talk about it, or the fact that I have one, right? Those kinds of things, uh, don't discount that. And then the, I would say the last part is don't be afraid to continue learning. It's not that, oh, I get done with school, and then I get my job. I walk in the first day, and I don't have to learn anything anymore. That's absolutely wrong. You never stop. I mean, the first thing you're going to get is the company policies and going through their onboarding process, and this is going to be your mentor who's going to show you the ropes around here. Well, 
you're, you're still learning. You're still going through things. So if you think that once you get done with school, I'm going to get this job and that's the end of the road and I just show up every day, that's not really what happens. What you do is you get yourself an education and then you learn how to actually apply that education into day-to-day and there's plenty of room for learning more things. So that would be my three things I'd tell anybody changing it. That's great advice. So, Mike, I find your story uh, really inspiring, and thanks for being on Talking Technicians. Well, I appreciate being here. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Bye. Talking Technicians is produced by Mintech, the Micro Nano Technology Education Center, through financial support from the National Science Foundation's Advanced Technological Education Grant Program. Opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Science Foundation. Join the conversation. If you are a working technician or know someone who is, reach out to us at info at talkingtechnicians.org. We're always looking out for great guests to share more stories with you.